Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 13th of October. India reported more than 55,000 new infections of COVID-19 in the last 24 hours, raising the tally to over 71 lakhs or 7.18 million. This is the lowest number recorded since mid-August. The country has also recorded 706 COVID-related deaths in the last 24 hours. According to the Health Ministry, the recovery rate marginally increased to 86.78%. As Maharashtra continues to lead India's COVID tally among the states, Prime Minister Narendra Modi today urged the state to follow all precautionary measures, stating that jab tak dawai nahi, tab tak dhilai nahi. The appeal came at an event where he released the autobiography of Dr. Bala Saheb Vikhe Patil. Maharashtra Chief Minister Udhav Thakre was also present at the event. Union Health Minister Harshwardhan told ANI that India was expecting a vaccine by early next year, likely from more than one source. At a group of ministers meeting today, he said, and I quote, Our expert groups are formulating strategies to plan on how to roll out the distribution of vaccines in the country. Unquote. Nearly 100 power connections have been withdrawn by industrial units in the Gautam Budhnagar area of Uttar Pradesh due to the impact of the COVID-19 imposed lockdown. Virendranath, chief engineer of the Pashchimanchal Vidyut Vitran Nigam Limited, Noida Division, said, and I quote, Many industries and businesses have been affected by the lockdown. We have gotten many applications after lockdowns from divisions regarding reducing electricity load and some wanted to end their connections. An investigation by the Indian Express has found that eight states, including COVID hotspots like Maharashtra and Uttar Pradesh and Jammu and Kashmir, did not put up anti-human trafficking units as directed by the Ministry of Home Affairs in an advisory three months ago. The advisory was issued to all states laying down several markers to combat human trafficking, especially of children from families left in the lurch by the economic distress triggered by the lockdown. The ministry had said that the key was the creation of these AHTUs in every district on a most urgent basis. This inaction by states is glaring as cases of child trafficking have surged over this period. On Monday, the Indian Express had reported that officials manning Childline 1098, which is the national helpline for distress calls, tracked 1,92,000 interventions by rescuers and law agencies between March and August. In those six months, the helpline logged 27 lakh distress calls. Dear listeners, poverty is one of the biggest contributors to the menace of trafficking around the world, especially child trafficking. The pandemic and subsequent economic fallout has put poor children around the world at great risk. Do listen to the latest episode of Let's Talk About, where I delved into the complexities of child trafficking. Did you know that it is estimated that one child goes missing in India every eight minutes? These children are taken from their homes to be bought and sold in the black market. In many cases, children are coaxed into the hands of traffickers by promises of jobs or a better future, when in reality, upon arrival, they become enslaved. Through a series of sobering interviews, I spoke to victims, experts and journalists on the front lines to understand the many aspects of India's child trafficking crisis. Do tune in to the episode to gain some insight on the issue. You'll find the episode on newslaundry.com. Coming back to the news, the municipal and panchayat elections to be held in Gujarat this year have been postponed by the State Election Commission for three months due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The elections for local bodies of self-governance, including six municipal corporations, 55 municipalities, 31 districts and 231 taluka panchayats, were initially scheduled for November this year. 
The family of the 19-year-old Dalit girl who died after being assaulted and allegedly gang-raped by four upper-caste men in Hathras told the Lucknow bench of Allahabad High Court today that the district administration carried out her cremation against their wishes. Besides the victim's parents, her two brothers and sister-in-law were present in the court. They are being represented by senior advocate Jaydeep Narayan Mathur, who was appointed amicus curiae in the case. All their statements have been taken. Hatras District Magistrate Praveen Kumar Laksar told the court in a statement that they had inputs about a huge law and order problem the next morning, following which they took the decision to carry out the cremation. The district magistrate denied having sought any direction from Lucknow in the decision regarding the cremation. He said that the decision was taken by officials locally, including him. A PTI report quoted Seema Kushwaha, who is the counsel for the family members, as saying that they wanted the case to be transferred out of the state to either Delhi or Mumbai. She also said that the family had asked for security and did not want the report of the investigation so far to be made public. In another case of caste atrocity and violence against women, three Dalit sisters in Gonda district of Uttar Pradesh were allegedly attacked with acid while they were asleep at home early morning today. The sisters, aged 8 years, 12 years and 17 years, have been admitted to a district hospital for their treatment. While two sisters have received minor burn injuries, one has sustained major injuries on her face. An investigation by the local police is underway, but no arrests have been made so far. In his latest column for News Laundry, Ravi Kiran Shinde writes, and I quote, It feels like deja vu. It has been nearly a month since a 19-year-old Dalit woman was assaulted and allegedly gang-raped in Uttar Pradesh's Hathras, and the mainstream media has followed its typical four-stage life cycle of coverage. Indifference, sensationalism, accusations of connivance and victim-blaming. Most atrocities against Dalits do not cross the first stage for the media and go unnoticed. Those that capture the media's attention almost always complete all four stages of the cycle. This hit-and-run coverage is a distressing and agonizing sequence of events, especially for the families of the victims. Look at all the infamous atrocity cases against Dalits that have received national attention in the last two decades. Rohit Vermula's suicide resulted in primetime debates on whether he was a victim of politics and whether he was even a Dalit, sidetracking from the main issue of casteism on campus. What is playing out now in Hatras follows the same trajectory. Unquote. For a breakdown of the issue, read the complete article titled From Indifference to Victim Blaming Why the Mainstream Media's Coverage of Hatras is Unsurprising. Also, do not forget to check out our ground reportage from Hatras. News Laundry reporters Akanksha and Nidhi have been consistently following the developments in the case. And before I get to the next story, I want to remind you, dear listeners, to support the work we do at News Laundry through a monthly subscription. As most of you are aware, we are a 100% ad-free news platform that counts on people like you, people who care about real stories from the ground, to help us stay afloat in this world dominated by legacy media, most of whom depend on advertisements for revenue. So go to our website, newslaundry.com, and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of the website. Bihar Chief Minister Nitish Kumar addressed his second virtual rally in the state today, covering 11 constituencies in five districts. Targeting Lalu Yadav and his wife, former Chief Minister Rabri Devi Kumar said, and I quote, We have worked. Before us, the husband and wife got to rule here, but what did they do? What was the status of the law? People rightly said that the new generation should be told about Jungle Raj in Bihar. Unquote. 
Nitish Kumar, making women empowerment one of the main focuses of this election season, said, and I quote again, to motivate for higher education, financial assistance of 25,000 rupees will be given to unmarried women on passing the intermediate exam and 50,000 rupees to women on passing graduation, unquote. Deputy Chief Minister Sushil Kumar Modi and other leaders such as Sanjay Jaiswal, Bhupendra Yadav and Nityanand Rai will also be campaigning for the Saffron Party. Meanwhile, nine BJP leaders were expelled last night from the party for filing their nominations on a Lok Janshakti party ticket ahead of the upcoming Bihar Assembly elections. Sushil Kumar Modi clarified that the National Democratic Alliance in the state was fractured as the LJP was no longer part of the alliance. BJP State President Sanjay Jaiswal, citing anti-party activities, expelled the nine leaders for six years. Chirag Paswan's Lok Janshakti party on October 4th had walked out of the National Grand Alliance over ideological differences with the Janta Dal United, but said it would remain a strong partner for the BJP and fight against Nitish Kumar. Chirag Paswan's LJP is a member of the National Democratic Alliance at the centre and his father, Ram Vilas Paswan, who recently passed away, was a union minister till his death on October 8th. Opposition governed states and the centre failed to reach a consensus on the most suitable option for borrowing to compensate for the shortfall in goods and services tax at the GST Council meeting yesterday. While the centre stated its intent to allow borrowing under option 1, that is 1.1 lakh crore rupees through a special window facilitated by the RBI and Finance Ministry for the 21 states that agreed to this route, other states termed this process as illegal. They believe that borrowing by the centre will lead to a rise in the 10-year bond and borrowing costs for states and the private sector. Union Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman said that borrowing falls under Article 293 of the Constitution and it is a state's right to decide what they want to do. She said, and I quote, We are open to anyone who wants us to facilitate any loan. A lot of people have already said about Option 1. Today also they said we are approaching tomorrow morning so we are ready to deal with it. Unquote. Punjab Finance Minister Manpreet Singh Badal said that 10 opposing states asked for a dispute resolution mechanism and the formation of a group of ministers on the issue, but there was no agreement at the meeting. Kerala Finance Minister Thomas Isaac said, and I quote, It is unfortunate that the Union Finance Minister does not propose a decision in the council or even make a statement about what she is going to do, but chooses to make the announcement in the press conference. Why does the centre refuse to take a decision in the council? total disregard for democratic norms, unquote. Additionally, the finance minister's announcement on measures to boost consumer spending came in contradiction to consumer confidence survey by the Reserve Bank of India. The survey stated that discretionary spending was expected to remain low in the near future, even though people expected an improvement in economic and employment conditions. However, her announcement was an acknowledgement of people going out and spending, which she called as the key to a faster turnaround of the economy. After Boycott Tanish started trending on Twitter yesterday, the popular jewellery brand today was forced to pull off its advertisement featuring an interfaith baby shower to avoid the vicious trolling. The advertisement by the Titan Group's Tanishk was released last week but was targeted yesterday by a section on social media who felt that it promoted love jihad. Many others, however, condemned the bigotry and hate-filled posts pushing the boycott trend, calling it completely against the idea of India. The ad showed a pregnant woman in a sari escorted by a woman she calls Ma or Mother to an interfaith baby shower ceremony. At the end of the video, the young woman asks the older woman, who is apparently her mother-in-law, and I quote, but this ceremony is not held at your home, unquote. 
The mother-in-law wearing a silwar suit with her head covered in a dupatta replies, and I quote, Isn't it a tradition for every home to keep daughters happy? Unquote. The video is no longer available on the YouTube channels of Tanishk after the barrage of tweets against the ad. Congress MP Shashi Tharoor this morning reacted sharply to those who called for the ad's boycott. He tweeted, and I quote, So Hindutva bigots have called for boycott of Tanishk jewellery for highlighting Hindu-Muslim unity through this beautiful ad. If Hindu-Muslim ekatvam irks them so much, why don't they boycott the longest surviving symbol of Hindu-Muslim unity in the world, India? Unquote. Congress leader Abhishek Manu Singhvi also joined those tweeting against the boycott. Ex-member of the National Commission of Women, Shamina Shafiq, backed the message of interfaith harmony, saying, and I quote, Thank you for making us notice this beautiful Tanishk ad, dear trolls. Unquote. And now for some international updates. The global COVID-19 count crossed 37.8 million and the death toll reached over 1.08 million. Johnson & Johnson said yesterday that it temporarily halted the advanced clinical trial of its experimental COVID-19 vaccine due to an unexplained illness in one of its volunteers. The pause means that the online enrollment system has been closed for the 60,000 patient clinical trial while the Independent Patient Safety Committee is convened. The Popular Pharmaceutical Corporation said that serious adverse events or SAEs are an expected part of any clinical study, especially large studies. Company guidelines allowed them to pause the study to determine if the SAE was related to the drug in question and whether to resume the study. Moscow officials said yesterday that human clinical trials of Russia's COVID-19 vaccine Sputnik V will be held in the United Arab Emirates, the second country after Belarus to take part in the program of which results are expected before the end of November. The vaccine first licensed by the Russian authorities for domestic use in August is currently being tested on 40,000 volunteers in Moscow as a part of late-stage trial known as Phase 3. Russia's sovereign wealth fund responsible for marketing the vaccine abroad said in a statement that the trial in the UAE has received regulatory approval from the Gulf state's health ministry and the process will be supported by local laboratory provider Pure Health. A man from Nevada in United States was reinfected with the COVID-19 virus, with the second infection being far more dangerous than the first one. The 25-year-old needed hospital treatment after his lungs could not get enough oxygen into his body. According to the experts, reinfections are still rare and he has now recovered. But the study in the Lancet Infectious Diseases has raised questions about how much immunity can be built up to the virus. Scientists have said that the patient caught coronavirus twice rather than the original infection becoming dormant and then bouncing back. A comparison of the genetic codes of the virus taken during each bout of the symptoms showed that they were too distinct to be caught by the same infection. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.